Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. We know that when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he went to the word of God. He repeatedly resisted temptation on the authority of God's word. What I want to show you tonight is that when Jesus was on the cross, his mind was on the word. And Jesus tonight is going to point us to a very important prophecy in scripture. I want you to Turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, the song of the cross. The song of the cross. Remember, the psalm book is our song book. And in fact, Paul in Ephesians and Colossians tells us we should be singing the psalms. We don't know what tune they sang these words to. We don't know what melody and harmony they used. That's not the important part. The important part is the message that these songs convey and the power of these words and tonight the power of this prophecy. The psalm that Jesus quoted. Some scholars believe he quoted the entire psalm and that Mark and Matthew only record the first verse, but that he actually went on to quote the entire psalm. I certainly uh, believe that is a probability. We can't be dogmatic about that. But when Jesus was dying on the cross for your sin, for my sin, even though his hands were outstretched, his finger was pointing us to this passage because he directly quotes this prophetic passage when he said in Matthew 27 46 and Mark 15 34 my God my God why hast thou forsaken me many that were there did not know this psalm they didn't recognize it when he said Eli Eli they thought he was calling on Elijah they didn't recognize their own their own prophecy it's why so many of them missed Jesus as Messiah because they were so ignorant of their own scriptures. But tonight, we don't want to be ignorant of this prophecy. And so we're going to take a, a break for a few weeks from the book of Daniel. We, we uh, aren't having an evening service next week. And so tonight, because this is Palm Sunday, because this is the beginning of the Passion Week, we're going to start at the Song of the Cross. And I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about Christ's agony, and victory as given to us in David's prophecy. 
As we read through these words, and I'm going to go ahead and read this song to you. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know what tune it goes to. But I'm going to go ahead and read this passage to you, and then we'll make some comments on it. I want you to remember as we read this that David wrote this right around a thousand years before Jesus came, before Jesus hung on that cross. And 800 years before the cross was even invented. And yet I want you to listen for the prophecies, and then I'll... I'll point some of them out to you um, I don't know that I maybe it'll point all of them out to you tonight but I'll give you nine of them and I want to see if you can pick out the nine as we read through this psalm together to the chief musician upon um, Eheleth Shehar a psalm of David my God my God why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, hasten thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name Unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek Him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before Thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before Him, and none can keep alive his own soul." A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born. 
that he hath done this. The agony of the cross, the victory of the resurrection, all given to us over a thousand years in vivid detail. There is nothing in the Scriptures that show David going through something like this. There's, there's no point in David's life. David went through a lot of hardships. David went through a lot of trials. The Psalms are full of his crying out to God in the midst of trouble. But nothing like this. This is prophecy. It doesn't appear to be prophetic at first glance. But now with the benefit of history, we know with the benefit of Christ's finger Himself by His quotation pointing us to this text, this prophecy. We know that this is a prophecy of Messiah. Let me just highlight nine of the prophecies. Maybe you picked out uh, one or two others, but let me just highlight nine for sake of time tonight. The prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ on the cross. I left out the first one, the, the very quotation that he would actually quote this one because he's pointing us to it. But number one, verse two, darkness during the day. It's in the daytime and yet it's as the night, he says. And we know that darkness fell upon Mount Calvary when Jesus was dying for our sins. Verse six says he was despised of the people. The people there in context is the nation of Israel. The Messiah John says in John one came unto his own, but his own received him not as a nation. He was mocked. And notice verses 7 and 8. David gives us the very words they used to mock him. The very words that were in the mouths of scoffers. These were not people who thought he was Messiah. These were not people who were trying to, to force the fulfillment of prophecy. These were people who didn't know their text because they didn't even know he was quoting this text. These were people who were mocking him and with the very words we see the mocking of Jesus for claiming God's deliverance. The water from His side, verse 14, that came because of the cardiac condition that He was in when He was on the cross. The literal broken heart. And when that spear was pierced through His side, which by the way was not something that was common. Normally, in a crucifixion, they would break the legs. But there's a prophecy that says none of his bones would be broken. And so when they came to Christ, he was already dead. So they didn't bother to break his legs. But what they did was they took the spear to make sure that he was dead. And they pierced his side and blood and water flew. All his bones out of joint. One of the tortures of crucifixion. One of the most heinous, wicked executions ever invented by man. His intense thirst, verse 15. The piercing of his hands and feet. Again, 800 years before this torture was invented. Verse 17, it was a public death. He was on display. Naked on display. In the pictures that we have, because of discretion, there's usually a little loincloth that's placed around the Jesus on the cross if you see a crucifix but there there was no such accommodation made for him on that day it was a public execution the casting lots 
for his garments. Those are just nine. Well, I'm sure we could, we could pick out a few others together tonight. But I want us now to walk back through this song that Jesus is singing on the cross. And I suspect with others that he probably quoted this entire song. I don't know that he sang it, but he spoke at least the first verse. We can be dogmatic about that. And so I want to wa- I want to walk you through this song together, the song of the forsaken one. First of all, the song of the one forsaken by God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you realize that this was Messiah's greatest agony? Not the physical pain. Not the physical pain. But he who is one with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Philippians 2. He made Himself of no reputation, taking upon Himself the very form of a servant. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God because He is God. And yet, God the Son, for the first time in all of eternity, experienced the silence of the Father. As the Father turned His face away because He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. All of the sin debt, all every wicked thought, every wicked word, every wicked deed, every good deed left undone. All of that from all of us for all of human history laid on Him. He, in, he took upon Himself the entire sin debt of all mankind and the Father poured out His wrath on His own Son for you and for me. The devil wants you to think God doesn't love you anymore. You messed up too much. You're beyond His love. Listen, the cross of Jesus Christ proves the devil a liar. Don't believe his lies. Don't believe his lies. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And he experienced the greatest agony, which was the silence of the Father. But he also noticed, we see this in each one of these stanzas, if you will, each one of these verses. We see in his despair, him reiterating, him restating his knowledge, his hope that his Father is holy and faithful. His greatest hope is in his Father. Verse 3 again, Thou art holy. I know when I'm not being silent, Father, I'm not being silent, you're being silent, but even in your silence, I know that you're holy. Listen, Jesus took on flesh. It's why He's a faithful and just high priest because He knows. He was tempted in every point as we are, yet yet without sin. He knows that we are dust. He knows what it feels like to be rejected. He knows what it feels like to be abused. He knows what it feels like to be hated and despised. And He even knows what it feels like to not be able to hear God speak. I mean, you've had those moments, right? We all have. God, I know you're there. Why are you silent? God, I know you're there. Why, are you, why aren't you coming to rescue me? 
on the cross, even that Jesus experienced for us. He knows. He knows. Every tear, every pain, every heartache, Jesus Christ intimately knows He is not beyond your pain. He experienced it as well. But in His pain, He trusted. He placed His hope in the holiness and the faithfulness of God. The song of the one forsaken by God. Notice this second stanza here, verses 6 through 10. It's also the song of the one despised and mocked by men. Israel rejected their Messiah. Isaiah prophesied this as well. Hundreds of years after David. That he would be pierced for our transgressions. Wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace would be upon him. By his stripes we would be healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of of us all. Israel rejected their Messiah. Again, John chapter 1, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. But, John says, as many as did receive Him, to them gave He the right to be called the children of God. I have a right to be called the child of God. If there's a time in your life when you recognize that you're a sinner, bound for hell, without any way of saving yourself, any way of justifying yourself. But God the Father loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. And the blood of Jesus has paid for your sins. And if you, by faith, receive His grace, you have forgiveness, you have eternal life, you have the right, God-given right, Christ-earned right to be called the child of God. Purchased by Christ. But so many have rejected Him. My son asks a lot of questions for a five-year-old. Some of them are deep questions. And this morning he asked me, Daddy, does everybody know Jesus? I said, no. No, most people don't know him. He said, but my family all does. I said, yes, and you're very blessed for that. Not, most people don't know him. Most, sadly, most people have and will reject him. Jesus himself said it. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. That's where most people are headed. And even when Jesus himself walked the earth and did the miracles and taught the scriptures and raised the dead, people still rejected him. Because that's how powerful our sin is. You need to recognize that you can't fix yourself. That only Jesus Christ can fix you. That only Jesus Christ can give you life, can give you hope. And as many as did receive Him, and as many as do receive Him, to them He gives the right to be called the children of God. They rejected their Messiah. They mocked Messiah in His death. Again, the very words that they used are recorded here in prophecy. But again, look at how this stanza, this verse ends. Messiah remembers His Father's protection from the womb. From the womb. Revelation chapter 12, we won't take the time to go there, but Revelation chapter 12 talks about the birth of Messiah 
and how the devil, the great red dragon, sought to destroy him at birth, but he was unable to do so. Luke tells us why. Luke tells us in the Christmas, what we call the Christmas story, right? That there was a heavenly host that showed up to announce the birth of Jesus. But what we don't see in English is that the Greek word there for host is a military term. God sent a battalion of His fiercest angels, of His warrior angels, to oversee Jesus at His birth. God knew what the devil had planned. And when the devil tried to use human beings to accomplish his purpose, God knew that too. And he got Jesus as a baby to Egypt to escape the devil's wrath. The devil tried to destroy Jesus from the womb. But Jesus said, I know when I was even in Mary's womb, Father, you were there. You were watching over me. David would say in Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. I know that full well. Every one of us created in the image of God. God has a purpose and a plan, but we need to receive it. We need to trust him. Jesus placed his trust in his father. The song of the one forsaken, the song of the one despised. Notice this. This is one that I think that since we've been studying prophecy now for a while, that you'll be able to see that uh, often gets missed. The song of the one taunted and tormented by terrors. Taunted and tormented by terrors. Now what we have seen in prophecy, and we are in prophecy, is that many times there is poetic language that is used to symbolize other realities to symbolize real things and many times when God is speaking about supernatural forces or spiritual entities God uses certain kinds of animals to picture those spiritual beings in the parable of the sower the birds were the agents of the devil who steal the seed from the hard ground, people who have hard hearts when they hear the gospel, the devil comes along before they have a chance to really think about it. Before they have a chance to really stop and wonder, maybe I'm wrong about this, the devil comes along and through his spiritual agency, he, rem he distracts them and he gets that seed. He takes it right out of their brain, right out of their memory, right out of their mind. The Birds there represent spiritual beings. I want you to think about that as we look at these verses again. And I want you to think about the book of Daniel. And I want you to think about what the beasts in Daniel represent. So let's pick it up again here in verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. And notice this, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Where is Bashan? Bashan is the part of Israel that is now called the Golan Heights. It's not all under Israel control. Part of the Mount, of Mount Hermon is under Israel control, not all of it. But you remember, we've talked about this several times over the past two years. I know some of this might be new for some of you, but there's strong indication that when Jesus stood at the foot of the mountain, 
He was at Mount Hermon when he said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was in Bashan. He was at the foot of Mount Hermon. Jewish history says, this is when we step outside of the Scriptures here, but Jewish history says that it was Mount Hermon where the Genesis 6 angels descended on earth to pick and choose their daughters of Adam, Genesis chapter 6, to create the giants of old, the men of renown. Same place. And there's strong indication from the Scriptures, again, we can't be dogmatic about this, but when we put the texts together, there's strong indication that when Jesus gave the Great Commission to over 500 of His disciples, it was on Mount Hermon when He built His church by saying, go and preach the Gospel to every creature. And by the way, you're going to cast out demons. People are going to be liberated from spiritual oppression and spiritual bondage, Mark 16. What is happening here at the cross? The bulls of Bashan, I believe, prophetically, are the spirits, demonic spirits that were taunting Him. Because remember, Paul says in, the, in 1 Corinthians, if they knew what was going to happen three days later, they never would have put Him to death. If they knew, Paul says, what was going to happen... They never would have gone with the crucifixion. The, the devil was deceived. The devil was deceived. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And not just that, but He gave life to all who have faith in Him by His grace. These spiritual terrors. By the way, Psalm 91 is a psalm that we're not going to unpack tonight. But... Psalm 91 has been a popular psalm during the pandemic because uh, in Psalm 91, David talks about the victory that we have in Jesus. He says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence what we don't see in english though is that those words in that verse and throughout psalm 91 are actually the names of canaanite deities he's not just talking about pestilence in general he's talking about the god of pestilence the god of the fowler he's talking about spiritual entities because remember paul said when the pagans worship their gods they're worshiping demon spirits here at the cross, we see the bulls. We see the ravening and roaring lion. By the way, who does the New Testament tell us is the roaring lion who prowls about seeking whom he may devour? Satan. You think Satan wasn't there at the cross? He was in the upper room. Where do you think he went? You think he had somewhere better to be than what he thought was his victory? The bulls are there. The lion is there. The dogs are there. Now the dogs is a term for the Gentiles in places in Scripture. It's how Jesus used the word. When He said, should I give bread for the children of God to the dogs? And that woman who was so desperate for Him to heal His daughter said, well Jesus, 
even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And he said, your faith. I haven't seen it in Israel. Your daughter's healed. But the dogs here represents the Gentiles who were there. That brings us to the governmental terrors that oppressed him. It's a term uh, that is used by Paul to speak of the government, the sword. The sword, Jesus says, save me from the lion's mouth. Deliver my soul from, verse 20, the sword. The sword is the wicked, powerful Roman government that is wickedly putting him to death. He calls it here the power of the dog. The power of the dog. Remember in Daniel, we see time and again that God's view of the nations is of ravenous beasts, ravenous animals. And here David sees the, in prophecy, prophetically by the Holy Spirit, sees the Roman soldiers as the sword and the power of the dog. And behind this tyrannical government, just as Daniel has prophesied, would be behind these legs of iron, the Roman Empire that saw uh, that, excuse me, Daniel chapter nine said would be the one that put Messiah to death and that eventually came along and destroyed the temple and the city by implication being part of the crucifixion. Clearly, it, Daniel says they will be the one that destroys the city is in fact the Roman Empire. Behind them is the lion's mouth. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. He is already the God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He is already the prince of this world, Jesus said, John 16. He is already in control. Satan is not going to just get control of the world for seven years. He already has it. He's going to give it to the beast for seven years. But he already has it. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil and the devil took him on a high mountain, Luke chapter 4, the devil said, look around, Jesus, at all the kingdoms of the world. Their glory and power has been given to me. I get to give it to whoever I want, and I'll give it to you if you bow down to me. Jesus didn't say that's not true. Jesus said no deal. That's a big difference. Jesus didn't just say, no, you're lying, and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't do it anyways. He said that may be true, Satan, but I ain't bound to you. Worship the Lord your God and Him only. Him only. No shortcuts. He went to the cross. And notice again, verse 21, God's deliverance sustained him. Verse 21, save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Listen, even though God was silent, by faith, Jesus knew that his father heard him. You know why? Because he knew his father and he knew these promises. That's, why, that's one reason I believe he was singing or speaking these words. Not just verse 1, but all of these words. And maybe many other scriptures was he, was he speaking, was he reciting on the cross as he was dying. Because even though his father was silent, even as his father poured down his wrath on Jesus for us, Jesus said, you will get me through. I can't hear you, but I know your word. And what did he do that for? What did, because, friend, we need to know that too. We need to live that way too. Even when, we, even when we can't see his hand, even when we don't see him answering our prayers, we have to confess by faith. 
not by feelings. We don't walk by feelings. If we do, we're going to end up on our face. And if you end up on your face, that's a good place to start praying. Right there on the ground. The devil trips you up. You say, Lord, here I am. God, you got to pick me back up. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And so we see now in the last hymn of this song, the last stanza, verses 22 through 31, the song of the one delivered by God. The song of the one delivered by God. Notice in verses 22 through 25, he is leading corporate praise in the assembly. Now remember, this is prophecy. This is prophecy. We've, we looked at Hebrews chapter 2 a few weeks ago. I want to show you Hebrews chapter 2 again. This, this amazing prophecy in Hebrews. Hebrews 2 says, But on a certain place testified, but one in a certain place testified, What is man that thou art mindful of him, of him or the son of him that thou visitest him? Thou made him a little lower than the angels, but thou crownest him with glory and honor to set him over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. And then the writer says, listen. We see not yet all things put under him. We don't see it yet. We know it though by faith. But we see Jesus, verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons under, under glo unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. And listen to what verse 12 says. This is quoting Jesus from the prophecy. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the ecclesia. In the midst of the ecclesia. In the midst of the church which God hath given me. I love Zephaniah 3.17. Jesus says, I'll quiet you with my love and I will rejoice over you with singing. Hey, nobody sings like Jesus. Now our, our loved ones who have gone before us, they, they, they've heard Jesus sing. We're going to hear Him sing someday. We're going to sing with Him. But He is right here in Psalm 22. Zephaniah 3.17. Hebrews chapter 2. He is risen, He is singing, and leading us in praise to His Father. What an awesome, awesome promise of victory. He's leading corporate praise in the church and in Israel, He says in Psalm 22. Friend, our response this season and every day should be praise to God for what He has done on the cross. What He has done for us that we can have hope, that we can have freedom, that we can have eternal life. Let me, let me show you again as before we close here. Verse 25. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. And notice this. I will pay my vows before them that fear Him. Jesus said, I'm going to keep all my promises. I am hanging on the cross. He's thinking about you. Hanging on the cross, he's thinking about you. You know what he's saying? I'm going to keep my promise to them. I'm going to keep my promise to them. I'm going to keep all of my vows. Every promise I've made. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
every promise of God is yes in Jesus Christ. It's not yes to these promises. No, not this one. Paul says it's not yes and no. It's not, well, yes to these promises, but not, he's not going to keep those anymore. No, no, every promise of God is yes in Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus is saying, I will keep my promise to you. And he will keep every promise he has ever made to us. And here, as we begin to turn it back to the subject of prophecy that we've been looking at in Daniel, notice again verse 26. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord. That's still future, guys. That has not happened yet, but it will. As certain as the resurrection, it will happen. For the kingdom, verse 28, is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. Listen, on the cross, kingdom blessings. Kingdom blessings purchased by Jesus, promised by Jesus. When he says, I'm going to keep my vows, he says, guys, I'm talking about the kingdom. There's a day coming when you won't have to worry about nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. You won't have to worry about earthquakes. You won't have to worry about pestilence because Jesus Christ will rule over all the earth on a literal throne in the literal city of David over all of the nations of the world. And he's going to fix this place. Nobody else is going to be able to fix it. Oh, a lot of people are going to make promises. The Antichrist is going to fool a lot of people by his promises. Jesus is going to keep his promises. Jesus is the one who's going to do it. He will bring us kingdom blessings for all of eternity. We will be blessed by him. And in response, we will serve him and worship him forever. And if you want to see the rest of the story, you can read Revelation 22, when you get home tonight. Would you stand as we close in prayer? I'm going to ask Andy to come. I'm just going to ask if you have a need, the altar is open. We're not going to sing a song, but I just ask that you stand in prayer as we close. And if you have a need, please come. Father, thank you, God, for the amazing, amazing prophecy. God, the agony of Jesus for me but the victory of Jesus for your glory and for all of our good, God. We praise you, God. Our, our words are so inadequate to praise you, God, but with the words that we do have, we'll lift your name. And Father, I just ask now, as, uh, God, this time of invitation, God, as your spirit is moving among us, God, you know the need of every heart. God, where we're standing, um, God, uh, hear our cries to you. God, if there is somebody that needs... Uh, prayer needs help god i pray that your spirit would bring them forward our deacons here our deacons wives available god god be moving in this place as we come to you in prayer now
you know the words of this chorus, would you sing with me? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. One more time. the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for life eternal through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you. If you have a need, I'll be here after the service. Hope that you will be here for our communion service on Friday night. God bless. You're dismissed. We should have done at the cross. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.